the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 5-0 Baby. W-262-CP. Bayonet Point. WTBN. Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. He just speaks about loving your enemy, doing good. Now, you might be sitting there saying, yeah, right. It's the last thing I feel like doing. You'll never feel like doing this. Nobody feels like doing this. If we did what we felt like, we would have done just the opposite. To pray like this, you have to pray without paying any attention to your feelings. Your feelings at this point are irrelevant. You have to will yourself to pray and pray with the right motives. When our friends misunderstand us, when we feel betrayed, we sure don't feel like praying for them. But God wants us to do that in spite of how we feel. Why? Keep listening and Pastor Steve Kreloff will share the answers from the Bible today on Verse by Verse. We are glad you could join us today for the final part of a three-part message about the pain of misunderstanding. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His Bible messages arrive at your radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. As we learn about the life of King David, we are learning three godly responses to the feelings of betrayal that come when our friends misunderstand us. We are to depend on God, pray for those who hurt us, and then rejoice in God. Humanly speaking, that makes no sense at all. But let's open God's Word and see why it is the best thing for us to do. We will be mostly looking at 1 Samuel 18 and Psalm 59. And we will start with some review in the area of praying for those who have hurt us. Here is Pastor Steve. So the first thing we do in the midst of being misunderstood is... We depend on God and God alone. That is theology 101, but some of us are missing it. The second response in the midst of being uh, pained over, over the misunderstandings we have is pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who misunderstand you and hurt you. This takes all of God's grace. This takes a lot of grace and strength, but this is biblical. Notice Psalm 59, once again, verses 5 through 8. Thou, O Lord... God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to, to punish all the nations. Do not be gracious to any who are treacherous, treacherous in iniquity. They return at evening, they howl like a dog. They go around the city. Behold, they belch forth with their mouth. Swords are in their lips, for they say, who hears? But thou, O Lord, dost laugh at them. Thou dost scoff at the nations. In these verses, David compares Saul's men who may have been at this point Gentiles because he speaks of the nations now, I'm not sure, but he compares Saul's men who sought his life with snarling dogs who prowl at night. These are not dogs who are cute and you keep in your home. 
These are mangy animals who, who roam the city at night looking for something to eat, and they're, they're vicious and they snarl. But by saying swords are in their lips, he means that their words are sharp. Their words are offensive. They cut. You know people like this? You know people? I know people like this. They, they just have it in for you. They're, they're cutting. Their comments are cutting. They're sharp. Uh, they, they just seem to have a problem with you, and their words are just strong and sharp and cutting. You can relate to this. So how do you handle people like this? People who are just against you. They just don't like you. They made up their minds the first time they met you, they don't like you. Or they used to like you, used to really love you, and there is a very thin line between love and hate. You said something, you did something, now you can't get it straightened out, and they, you can't clarify it. And uh, what do you do with people like that? You know, I know what we'd like to do. We'd like to punch their lights out, right? I mean, wouldn't we like to do that? But that's wrong. We don't, we don't do that. We shouldn't do that. We're, we're believers in Christ. What we ought to do is what David did. And maybe we're not going to pray the way David did, but the principle is we pray for them. And I'm going to explain this because I don't want you to think that, um, that we're to pray this way. You might want to pray the way David prayed, but, but don't do this. And I'll explain why. Verse 11. He says, do not slay them, lest my people forget. Scatter them by, their power, by thy power. Bring them down, O Lord, our shield, on account of the, of the sin of their mouth and the words of their lips. Let them be caught in their pride and on account of curses and lies which they utter. Destroy them in wrath. Destroy them that they may be no more. That uh, men may know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. Now, you may want to pray like this. Oh, that's great. Strike them down. Destroy them. That sounds good. They hurt me. We'll get back at them, Lord, won't we? I, I want to explain this. The first thing that we need to see is that David, very interestingly enough, did not pray that his enemies would be slain right away. He prayed that they'd be slain, but not right away. First, he said, scatter them. And scatter them in the wilderness and then bring them down and, Lord, consume them in your wrath. Now, that's unusual because uh, this is an imprecatory psalm. And uh, that's just the big word for saying it's a psalm in which David calls upon God for judgment upon his enemies. Usually he says, Lord, do it now and do it quickly. But here he says, no, take your time. Take your time. Uh, let me explain a little bit about why we don't... Uh, we ought not to pray this way. We have the enlightenment of further revelation called the New Testament. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, you are to love your enemies and you are to pray for your enemies. Matthew chapter five, you are to pray for them. And uh, and he doesn't mean you pray down wrath on them. You pray good things for them. Why is this different? Well, David was very unique. David was the chosen one to be the king of Israel and his enemies were the enemies of God. His enemies were the enemies of God. To attack him was basically to attack God and to attack Israel. He represented Israel as the king. And remember what, what the Abrahamic covenant said. Part of the covenant said this, I will bless those who bless you, meaning the Jewish people, Israel, and I will curse those who curse you. So David is just saying, God, it's obvious if they're against me as the anointed king, then they're against you and they're against Israel. So just fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. We're not really part of the Abrahamic covenant. We're new covenant people. So we don't pray like that. We're not in a unique situation like David. But getting back to David's prayer, why did David pray for them to stick around a little while? Why didn't he just pray like he had in many other places? Just, Lord, that's it. That's it. Get rid of them now. Well, here's the principle and here's the answer. 
And this answer is consistent with the rest of Scripture. Notice the beginning of verse 11. Do not slay them, lest my people forget. There's a teaching lesson here. Don't kill them right away because I want people to learn from this. Use this as a teaching tool. The reason he wants these men around a while is for Israel to learn from from God's punishments of them not to do anything like this again. It's correction. Israel learned. This is how not to behave. Then notice verse 13. Destroy them in wrath. Destroy them that they might be no more. And why? Here's the reason that men may know that God rules in Jacob to the ends of the earth. He wants his people to learn and others to learn from this, that God is sovereign. He doesn't let people get away with sin. God is holy. God is sovereign. God teach us these things. May I suggest to you what we gather from this, and here's the timeless principle and the way we learn to pray from David's experience of being misunderstood, is that we should pray for those who mistreat us, who misunderstand us, and give us grief. We should pray not that God kills them. We don't want God to kill anybody, especially if they're not believers. Do you want to pray that someone would die and then they'd go to hell? We don't want to do that. But a prayer for them to learn from this, a prayer that they would grow, a prayer that if they're in sin, they would they would be disciplined, because discipline is intended by God to bring about restoration and repentance. We pray for those who have hurt us, that God would work in their life and teach them and restore them and, and teach them the truth. It's not vengeance. Want not to pray like that. Vengeance belongs to God, not us. But I think the principle here is that you pray for those who hurt you. You pray in a positive way for them. Jesus said, for example, to love our enemies. Love means doing what's best for them. What is the best thing you can do? What, what is the best thing that could possibly happen to a person who hurts you who's not a Christian? They become a Christian. So if somebody has misunderstood you, perhaps at work, family member, what, who may not know Christ, you pray for them to come to know him. That out of this anguish, they would see their sin. They would see their need for Jesus Christ. If it's a believer who's deeply hurt you, then we pray. What's the best thing for a believer? It's to be an obedient believer. To bring God glory. So we pray for them to learn from this, to grow, for God to show them where, what they need to know. This is what Jesus meant. If you notice in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, you might just want to jot this down. He said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, the Bible didn't teach that, but the leaders of Israel said that. Jesus clarifies that that's not the way it is. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We prove to be children of God by loving our enemies because God does that. God does good things for people who don't love him. So we're to do that. Pray for them, do good things for them. And, and by that, we evidence that we really know Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12. How about this? Romans chapter 12 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and curse not. Now, why would Paul say that? Except we all feel like not blessing and and we feel like cursing those who, who do this to us. He said in verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. He just speaks about loving your enemy, doing good. Now, you might be sitting there saying, yeah, right. It's the last thing I feel like doing. It, it, you'll never feel like doing this. Nobody feels like doing this. If we did what we felt like, we would have done just the opposite. To pray like this, you have to pray without paying any attention to your feelings. Your feelings at this point are irrelevant. You have to will yourself to pray and pray with the right motives. So I, I, how do you respond to being misunderstood? You depend on God alone. You cry out to him. No other crutches, no other supports. You look to him and then you begin to pray for those who misunderstand you. You also want to pray that you'd get things right with that person, but pray that they would grow from this. Pray that they wouldn't continue doing some things like this. Pray for what's best in their life, and that is to respond to God properly. There is a third response I see in this, and this is just precious. Depend on God, pray for those who hurt you, and then the last thing is rejoice in God. This is great. Notice back in Psalm 59, verse 14. And they, and he means that those who are after him, they return at night, at evening, they howl like a dog. They go around the city, they wander about for food, and they growl if they are not satisfied. After praying for God to deal in judgment upon his enemies, David reminds himself that those snarling dogs are still there. Remember those mangy dogs after him? Well, they're still there. They're waiting for him. They're still present. They're circling the house as it were. They're waking, waiting in the dark for him. So what's he supposed to do? What, what do you do while, while those people still hurt you? They lie in, uh, maybe they lie awake for you. No matter what you do at work, they have it in for you. They don't like you. What, what, what do you do? You do what verse 16 says. This is what David did. But as for me, you wonder, what did David do? He tells us, as for me, I shall sing of thy strength. Wow. You're going to sing? They're howling, you're singing. Yes, I shall joyfully sing. He's not just going to sing. He's going to joyfully sing of thy loving kindness, meaning your mercy, in the morning, for thou hast been my stronghold and a refuge in the day of my distress. O my strength, I will sing praises to thee, for God is my stronghold, the God who shows me loving kindness. Despite the presence of his enemies, David says, I'm going to sing to God. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to praise his name. You know what to do when you've been misunderstood by others and it really hurts. Get your mind off of your problems. Get your mind onto the Lord. Start singing to him. Start praising him. You see, our natural tendency is to do what? Is to ponder our pain. How could they say this about me? Don't they know I, I wouldn't do something like this? How could, how could it get like this? And you rehearse over and over in your mind what has happened. And that's, that, that's not right. That's not good. That's not good. Don't do it. Instead, start singing to God. Start thanking him for his loving kindness, for being your refuge in, in time of, of great need. Start praising God. That's a discipline of the mind. This is nothing you feel like doing. You feel like rehearsing in your mind what others have done to you. See, the pressures and, and afflictions of life are designed by God to show us what? How great he 
is. Notice what David discovered in these verses. He said, I'll sing of your strength. So David, in a new way, learned that God was real strong. I'll joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning. He, he learned afresh that God's mercies are new every morning. God was, was really kind and loving. He, he said, for you have been my stronghold. He learned that God was like a tower of strength, a stronghold. He says in verse 17, oh, my strength. He learned once again, God is strong. God is a stronghold. The God who shows me loving kindness. God, I've seen you afresh. I would have never seen you like this if I didn't have these problems. Do you get the application? You get the principle here? If we never had these problems, we would never see God as our refuge and strength and the one who loves us beyond uh, any words I could fully explain that. That's why God lets you go through these tough times and even sends them your way so that you would see him in a new light. Psalm 119 verse 71 says, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Can you say that? And really mean it. It's good for me that I've gone through this because, Lord, I see you in a new way. I would have never seen you like this. You see, it's in the midst of troubles that we get to know God in a special way. And that's why we rejoice in him, even though we're being misunderstood. Tremendous truths here. So what, what do you do with this? Let me give you some practical counsel on this. You may not be the uh, a king of anything, but you know the pain of being misunderstood. Everyone who has breath in them knows the pain of being misunderstood or will. But not everyone responds properly to it. So what do you do? You do what David did. First of all, depend on God. Depend on God. Thank God that, that, that you may not have job security or a spouse to listen to you uh, or, or, or friends who are there. I mean, thank God that you are in a, in a wonderful place, that he is your refuge. Don't let anything else be a substitute for God. Nothing else should substitute for him. Don't carry these burdens around. Give it to him, casting all your care upon him because he loves you and leave them there. So go home today. Get alone with God, close the door, and really get before God and really pour out your heart. Secondly, begin to pray for those who've hurt you. Pray for them to grow spiritually. I mean, this is something tangible you can do. Make a prayer list. This man, this woman, this, this fellow student, this former friend really has hurt me. Pray for them. Pray for them to grow. Pray for them to be disciplined if necessary, not because you delight in that, but because the purpose of discipline is to correct, not punish. Pray for them to be teachable. Pray for yourself to be reconciled with this person. And then, and then finally, begin by faith rejoicing in God, even though nothing may be resolved. See, David was still singing while the dogs were howling outside. He, still, he just sang into the Lord because he sees God afresh. Thank God for how he has used this pain to reveal himself to you. That's what we do as believers. Now, if you are present in our midst and you may not be a believer in Jesus Christ, and by that, I don't mean believe in the sense intellectually. I mean, you've never actually trusted Jesus Christ alone as the only one who can forgive your sins. That's what I mean by belief. I want to say this. We've been talking about being misunderstood, but there is one person who will never misunderstand you, and that's God. Because God knows your heart. People don't know your heart. Called judging when they, when they say that they know your heart. 
But God never misunderstands us. He knows us perfectly. And you know what? When he looks into the heart of an unbeliever, you know what he sees? Rebellion. Rebellion. Going his or her own way. That's what sin is. Basically. Being independent from God. And therefore, because he knows you so well and he knows that you're rebellious, he knows that you need forgiveness. And I invite you to trust Jesus Christ today for the forgiveness of sins. We have one of our leaders up after the service. If you'd like to speak to somebody about trusting Christ, if you need some spiritual counsel, some advice, come up after the morning service and one of our men will be right here. Let's bow for prayer. As we're quiet before the Lord, this is your time to worship him and respond to the truth of the word of God. What has God said to you this morning? Maybe you're a little independent from him. Maybe you've relied upon people more than the Lord. Maybe you've poured out your heart to people about a painful situation, but have never really opened up to God. You need to change. You need to change that right now. Will you commit yourself to praying for those who've hurt you? To praying regardless of how you feel. You just do it because it's what the word says. And what about rejoicing? Have you thought about that? How few believers really rejoice? Have you thought about praising God, just singing to him? He doesn't care how your voice sounds. You just sing to him. Though nothing may be resolved, thank God for how he's used this pain to reveal himself to you. Do you see him as, the, as your stronghold, your tower of strength? That's why God puts us in these situations, so that we would see him in a new way. Let's be silent for a few moments. This is your time to respond in worship and obedience to him. And then we'll, we'll close in prayer and, and David will come and lead us in a song of, of worship. Father, we thank you for the Bible addressing this important issue. And Lord, we know that David experienced the highs and exhilaration of walking with you and the lows of being a fugitive. And we thank you that though he is dead, yet his words speak to us because they are the inspired words of God. And we thank you, Lord, that we have learned today how to respond to the pain of being misunderstood. And Lord, it is painful. It really hurts. And I pray that uh, these truths would help today to heal, to heal wounds, to bring glory to you. Perhaps this would result even in reconciliation with some people. And I pray you would help each of us to follow this prescription. And that when it happens again, and it will happen, that we'll remember these words and not just be touched this morning. I also pray for those who may not know you, that they would be drawn to you the Spirit of God would convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and that some might be saved. For I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If anyone can identify with our pain when we are misunderstood, it is the Lord Jesus. No one has been more misunderstood and abused both physically and emotionally. May He give us the strength to live out the principles that we learned today. Our time is nearly gone for today. I want to thank you for listening. Verse by Verse is a daily radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel. 
Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside, located in Clearwater, Florida, for over 27 years. And these classes are an extension of that ministry, produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of our listeners. If you would like to learn more about Verse by Verse, please check out our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online to today's class if you missed part of it, or you can download it for later. We also have previous broadcasts on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. Today we finished a three-part message from The Life of David. We have CDs and cassettes available if you would like to listen to the entire message at one time. Just call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and phone number and we'll call you back during regular office hours so that you can order a copy of your own. The number once more is 727 727- 239-0306. We all seem to have something that we fear. Louis Pasteur is reported to have had such an irrational fear of dirt and infection, he refused to shake hands. President and Mrs. Benjamin Harrison were so intimidated by the newfangled electricity installed in the White House, they didn't dare touch the switches. If there were no servants around to turn off the lights when the Harrisons went to bed, they slept with them on. But what causes fear, and what can we do? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.